Hi, it's Jonathan. Welcome to episode 74. On today's show, something that many listeners have asked me to do, a review and demonstration of one password. Have a different password on every website you visit and have access to those passwords on multiple browsers and operating systems. When I've mentioned on the show that I'm a 1Password user, inevitably I get a flurry of emails from people wanting to know more about 1Password, what it can do, whether it's safe, and how you can have all your passwords available to you on any device. Now, most people's guilty little secret is that they use the same password on multiple websites. Maybe they think they're super clever because they've come up with this complicated string of letters and numbers that's easy to memorize for the individual, but impossible virtually for somebody else to get. And so they keep recycling this password, using it. They've committed it to memory, and they just use it everywhere. And that is, if you like, their one password. The big problem with that is that sites do experience breaches, security breaches, which mean that your password has been exposed to undesirables. And they bank on the fact that so many people do exactly this, use the same password on pretty much every site they visit. And so then they have these sophisticated programs that go to common sites. Sometimes they're popular sites like Amazon or Google, you know, all those things. But if they are smart enough to know where you are from, they might even pick popular sites in your location, including banking institutions. I can't be any blunter than this. It is a really dumb idea to use the same password on more than one website. One day, it's going to bite you on the proverbial. And identity theft is a very difficult thing to recover from. You can and should protect yourself by using two-factor authentication whenever it's available. What that means is that a hacker is going to need two things, something that you know, which is your password, and something that you have, which is usually your smartphone. When you log in with two-factor authentication, you will enter your password as usual, but then you will be sent a code. And the most secure way to be sent that code is via an authenticator app like the Google or Microsoft authenticator app. Sometimes you can be texted a code, which is less secure, but it's better to have two-factor authentication on with texting than not having two-factor authentication on at all. The implication of this is that when I sign on to a website that I frequent for the first time on a new computer, I will be sent some sort of code that I have to enter as a secondary form of authentication. Then you can usually tell the site, trust this computer. This is my personal desktop. If I log in from here, don't ask me for that second code. Apple has its own two-factor authentication system, which is robust and really good. And it's pretty difficult now not to have that enabled with Apple, and you definitely should. But not all websites offer two-factor authentication, and in any event, why make it any easier for these dastardly hackers than you should? And that's where a password manager comes in. There are many such products, and I'm not necessarily saying that one password is the best or the only one to use. It is one that is often highly recommended. It's the one I kind of started using, and I've had no cause to look elsewhere because it meets all my needs and then some. If you use Apple's ecosystem exclusively, then Apple does have a very good password manager built in called iCloud Keychain. So if you're browsing the web on Safari, 
and you only use Safari and you use it on your iPhone and your Mac, you're probably quite well set actually with the tools that Apple give you. Many people like to use a Windows computer and a smartphone running iOS or Android. Some browsers also have a password manager built in to them. The trouble is that sometimes you might want to log in with a third-party app on your smartphone. And also, especially as blind people, we might want to use different browsers from time to time. A password manager that supports multiple browsers on multiple operating systems just takes care of all of these things. I've had one password set up for many years now, and I couldn't tell you almost a single password that I have anymore because each password is unique to every website I visit, and it's all pretty random. One password also does a lot more than just keeping track of your passwords. You can also store information such as passport information, other data that you may need to have access to, but that you want to keep secure. It's encrypted, it's behind my 1Password security, and it's available on any device that I have. Credit card information can also be stored this way, and it makes online shopping a breeze. Especially in a blindness context, where you might have to have credit card numbers written down somewhere, because while you might memorize your personal card, and I have, I don't think I could memorize all the cards I have access to. I have one for my business, I have one for work, We have one that Bonnie and I both use, and they're all stored securely in 1Password. So when I go to check out somewhere, I can just bring up the menu in 1Password. I've named each credit card appropriately. I choose the one I want, and all the fields are filled in with that data. 1Password also keeps track of password breaches. So if they learn that a particular password you're using has been compromised on a particular site, It gives you the chance to go in there right away and take care of it, change that password so that the breach no longer has a live password for you. The single most frequent objection that I hear when I talk about 1Password to people is based on a lack of knowledge of how 1Password works. And it's this, what happens if 1Password gets hacked? It's better to have a few written down passwords or even using the same one than to have somebody crack into my 1Password account and then they've got everything. They've got my credit cards. They've got every password of every account, including the username. What a terrible thing. That has never happened in the history of 1Password and it's unlikely to happen. In fact, I would go as far to say it can't happen. So I'm going to explain this by reading for you a blog post on 1Password because as you can appreciate, they get this as well. This is called What If 1Password Gets Hacked and it was last updated just a few months ago. And it says, 1Password has never been hacked, but if it was, your passwords and information would still be safe. Here's why. You trust us with some of your most valuable data, confidential logins, bank information, secure notes and more. So a question like what happens if 1Password gets hacked is completely reasonable. We want you to ask questions about this. It gives us the chance to answer them with total transparency. Here's why your information is safe with 1Password and why you don't need to worry that your passwords will ever be exposed. Three things are needed to decrypt your information. The encrypted data itself, your master password and your secret key. Your master password and secret key are secrets that are never sent to us, so we can't access your data. 
So if our systems were compromised, no one else could access your data either. Only you know your master password, which makes it very extremely difficult to steal. We recommend you use the password generator because suggestions are drawn from a pool of 18,000 words. A four-word suggested password is one of about 100 million billion possible combinations. Suggested passwords are generated entirely on your device, so your master password is never sent to us. Your master password is the only thing you need to remember. To access your data, you'll also need your secret key. This is an account-specific, 26-character, 128-bit strong key that is created on your device. Only you possess it on the devices you choose. You don't have to remember it yourself. Your trusted devices do this for you. Secret keys are impossible to guess. They're generated from a range of 25 to the power of 128 possibilities. And then the blog quotes the very long number with the combination of possibilities, which you can look up on the 1Password blog because it's a really, really long number. And like your master password, your secret key is never sent to our servers. 1Password uses encryption to make sure that only you can read your data. 1Password uses industry standard 256-bit AES encryption derived from your master password and secret key, along with a random number generator. Encryption happens on your device before a single byte is sent. Likewise, both your master password and secret key are needed to decrypt your data on your local device. This means your sensitive information is completely safe from others, whether it's in transit or stored on our servers. As we never see your master password or secret key, We need some other way to confirm your identity so your encrypted data is only ever accessible to you. To do this, we use the Secure Remote Password Protocol. Unlike a traditional login, this means you never have to share sensitive information. With Secure Password, your master password and secret key are used to generate a new key entirely separate from the one that encrypts your data. 1Password on your device sends the 1Password server a series of puzzles. Once solved, these prove to the server that you know your master password and secret key without having to share them. Likewise, the server has to prove to your device that it holds the data you've asked for. These puzzles are different every time the app connects to the server, so they can never be replicated by an outside observer. It bears repeating, the blog post continues, 1Password has never been hacked. But if the worst happened, you can rest assured it wouldn't mean your data was compromised. Every decision we make at 1Password begins and ends with the safety and privacy of your information. We know how important your data is to you, and it's on us to make sure it's completely safe from prying eyes. We deeply respect your rights to privacy. And that ends the blog post, or the part of it that I will read. You can read a lot more about security on the 1Password website. Let's talk about pricing. There is business pricing available, or Teams pricing, but I'm going to focus on personal and family pricing. You can, of course, go to onepassword.com to find out more. That's the number one, password.com. And you can get a 30-day trial as well if you'd like to kick the tires. 
If you want to pay for it, it will cost you $2.99 per month, and that is billed annually. That's a pretty sweet deal. That's for personal use, for just you to log on to lots of devices. I don't think there is a device limit. So you have apps for iOS, Windows, Mac, Android, Linux, and Chrome OS. For that, you get unlimited passwords, items, and a gigabyte of document storage, which I personally haven't used, but it is a place to secure documents that you might want to keep very secure, maybe wills or mortgage documents, stuff like that. You can store it there very securely. It's protected by all the same security that we've just been talking about. I should say also that the support is available 365 days a year, and they do seem to know about and care about accessibility, at least on iOS and Windows, where I use one password, it is fully accessible. Now, if you live in a household with other people, or you have family members who even fled the nest, you might want to have a look at the one password families option. When it's billed annually, it works out at $4.95 per month, and that's good for up to five users. So you can be the family administrator if you're the tech person in your world, and you can add individual accounts and set them up and explain to them how to use one password. They will have their own independent, secure storage vault to store their own logins and personal documents and other credentials. But you also can create family vaults where common information or passwords are stored. Bunny and I use this, for example, to store things that we both want to have access to, like the login to our online shopping supermarket website, so that we can both log in with one password just by pressing a key and it logs us in, it detects what site we're on, and I'll show you this later, and we're good to go for both of us. We also do this with utility companies and other things that we both need to access. Similarly, with the document storage that we were talking about earlier, if you've got documents that are important to you both, you can store those in the secure location, put them in the family vault or a vault that's only been set up for you and your significant other, and the documents can be accessed by you both. So you have a lot of flexibility in terms of who can access what information. So how do you get this thing? Well, you might want to take it for a trial, and that's fair enough, but you will have to sign up for an account on onepassword.com and get set up with at least one device. So you could potentially download the OnePassword app for iOS, or you could download the OnePassword extension for your browser of choice on Windows or Mac. When you create your 1Password account in your subscription, you'll have the opportunity to set your 1Password. This should be a pretty robust password that you haven't used anywhere else and that you're going to remember. You should commit this to memory, and then you'll be given your secret encryption key. I just can't stress enough that 1Password, for security reasons, can't help you. If you forget your 1Password, then you are up soup creek unfortunately there's nothing that anybody can do for you so be really clear about what password you're choosing and make sure you can remember it with the combination of your one password and your secret key you will be able to install the one password applications the good news is that once you have one password installed on one device you don't have to have the secret key necessarily written down anywhere although they do recommend that you save a 1Password recovery kit somewhere. Because once you've got one authorized device, 
it can help you to authorize subsequent devices. You'll need to download the 1Password app for your smartphone and also the 1Password browser extension for all of the browsers that you're using. I have used 1Password successfully for the new Microsoft Edge, Google Chrome, and in the past Firefox, and they've all worked similarly and equally accessibly. You would install that by using the same methodology you'd use to get any other extension. So if you use Google Chrome, you would go to the Chrome store for Chrome extensions, type in 1Password, you will find the official 1Password extension and download that, install it. You'll be invited to log in and authorize, and then you'll be set up. And similarly with Firefox, Microsoft Edge can also run Google Chrome extensions because it's all based on the Chromium extension, as can many other browsers like the Brave browser, which has a pretty strong following right now. Once you've got that set up, you've logged in for the first time. It's a really simple process, and I will show you just briefly how this works. I'm going to go to the system tray. Off. Select a system tray icon dialog. Select a system tray icon list box. Jaws for Windows. And I'll press the number one. One password. 11 of 19. One password is sitting in my system tray right now. It is active. One password should always be active. I can right click on it. Context menu. O. Open one password mini control plus alt plus backslash. O. And you've heard that Control-Alt-Backslash is the hotkey that will open 1Password Mini if you don't want to come back here to open it. I'll down arrow. Open 1Password app Control-Plus-Shift-Plus-Backslash. Oh. Control-Shift-Backslash opens the full app. Password Generator. P. Settings. S. Exit. E. There's a password generator as well, which can be really handy. And then settings and then exit. So I'm going to escape out of the system tray list here. And now I'll alt tab into my browser. Intranet home dash home dash personal dash Microsoft Edge. And that's my corporate intranet for the organization I work for. Now I'm going to go to Twitter because this is a very good example for me to show you of how 1Password can be so handy. I have three Twitter accounts stored in 1Password that I access regularly. Let's see how this works. I've logged out of Twitter on the web before showing you this. So I'm going to go to the address bar. App bar toolbar. Address and search bar edit. Twi- and we'll go to twitter.com and press enter. HTTPS colon. And right there. Phone, email, or username edit. I'm being asked to log in. Now I'm going to press control backslash. Control backslash is the magic command that you use on a Windows computer, irrespective of browser, to invoke 1Password, and what happens then is that 1Password will detect what website you're on. If there is an unambiguous login there for the website that you're on, it'll simply log you in. You won't have to enter your username or your password. This is assuming, of course, that it knows your credentials, and I'll come back to that a little bit later. So I'm going to press Control backslash. 1Password is locked. Enter your master password, password edit. Password edit, password edit. Now I'm on my studio computer, which I use for long periods at a time. And generally no one else comes in. It's pretty safely protected. So I have quite a generous period where I'm not required to enter my password for 1Password once I've entered it. But this is the first time 
that I've used 1Password since I booted the computer, and it's asking me to enter it, and it's a, it's a very long password, so I'm just going ahead and timing it in now while I talk to you. I'll press enter. Unlock, phone, email, or username edit. Twitter, it's what's happening slash Twitter dash personal dash Microsoft Edge, 1Password mini, filling in Zedge for Twitter.com, search for your items edit. You can search for your items, or we'll press the tab key. Item list list box, Twitter mushroom, FM mushroom, two of four. And we have some Twitter accounts here that I can choose from. So I can arrow up and down through the list of Twitter accounts. Twitter colon Jonathan Mosen. Twitter colon Mosen at large. And these are my Twitter accounts that I use regularly. And each of them has a unique password. I don't even know what the password is. So let's say I want to log in using my Mosin at large account. Twitter, Twitter colon Mosin at large, Mosin at large, four of four. I'll press enter. Twitter, it's what's happening slash Twitter dash Microsoft Edge. Twitter, it's what's happening slash Twitter left. And now I'm going to be texted a code because we've got two-factor authentication on and I have to type in that code. So I'll just edit that out of the recording. So I've got that code. I've done it now. And tweet text edit. Now I can start sending my tweets and browsing tweets. So I have no idea what my Mosin at large Twitter password is. It's all stored in 1Password and it's really easy to log in. If you have to come to terms with the fact that you haven't been practicing good password hygiene and you've got 1Password over many sites, the best thing to do when you first install 1Password is to go to all the sites that you frequent regularly and go into the My Account section or whatever it might be called and change your password. When you do that, it would obviously ask you to type the old password, the one you've committed to memory and the one you're using everywhere, and then there'll be a chance to enter a new password. This is where 1Password's password generator comes in. So I'm going to press Control backslash again. 1Password, 1Password mini, filling in Search for your now item list, logins tab. We've got an item list, but then we have a series of tabs which you can actually up and down arrow through. That may seem a bit counterintuitive because normally you would left and right arrow, but up and down arrow works fine. So we're focused on logins tab, use up and down log, and, and actually it does say logins tab, use up and down arrow keys to cycle tab control. There you go, that's handy. So we can up and down arrow, I'll down arrow. Credit cards tab, use up and down arrow. If you're shopping, You can go into the credit cards tab when you're on the payment page and then choose your credit card from the list, then press enter and it will fill in the fields for you. It's important to note also that up and down arrowing through here is not sufficient. You do have to press enter to give the new tab focus. Identities tab, use up and down arrow. There's identities. This is also handy when you're doing online shopping or doing many things. In fact, you can put all sorts of information about yourself in here. First name, last name, street address, work phone, home phone, all sorts of things. And then when you're being asked to sign up or check out, you can go into the Identities tab, choose the one you want, press Enter, and it will fill in all those fields for you. You can have multiple identities. So if I'm at my office and I want something to be couriered to my office, then I will use my at-work identity instead of my at-home identity, and it will use my office as my shipping address. 
I'll down arrow. Passwords tab, use up and down arrow keys. You can browse your passwords. It's obviously considering that this is a secure environment. And so you can browse your password. You can copy each password to the clipboard if you need to. And that can be handy sometimes. Password generator tab button. Now, here's the thing that I wanted to show you, though. If you're going through the process of becoming, shall we say, one password adapted, and you want to go and change your passwords from that one old password that everybody's got to a new one, then you go in here when you're about to enter the new password. Let's press enter on password generator. Password generator. Regenerate button. And we'll press the tab key. One password dash password generator. Password generator. Password character length is 24 left right slider. 33%. You can set how many characters you want each password to be. Sometimes you might have to alter that because you might find a website that says passwords must be between 8 and 15 characters or something. But I have 24 by default, really robust passwords. You can also specify what kinds of characters the password should contain. So if I press tab. Allow digits checkbox checked. I allow digits. Allow symbols checkbox checked. Allow ambiguous characters checkbox not checked. Edit. Q colon A V L herb right paren I R 7 W star percent M Zoc X dash W. That is my 24 character password that has just been randomly generated. I'm obviously not going to use that one anywhere. If I press the tab key. Copy button. I can press the copy button. Just press space on that. Left paren 25, right paren home slash. And now if I do the JAWS key with space, followed by C, we can look at what's on the clipboard. Clipboard text. Q colon A V L herb right paren. And there it is. That confirms that that password has been copied to the clipboard. And so when you get to that field where it says password, you just press control V to paste that crazy random password into the edit field. Press tab, it'll say enter your new password one more time. And you press control V again, and then you choose the submit button or whatever the button is called. At that point, one password is smart enough to realize, hey, you've just created a login here that I don't know about. And one password will pop up and say, do you want to create a login for this? And you can say, yes, I do. And then it will save that information. You may have to update that login because on that page, what you've just done with your typical change my password page is changed the password, but you haven't told one password about your username, which is often your email address, but not always. You can go and manually edit each login to add your username if you want to, or sometimes when you log in, it will actually see that you're typing in a username and give you a chance to update the login. There is a lot of intelligence in 1Password. And by going through that process, you can teach 1Password really quickly or over time, just as you get around to logging into each new site about your usernames and passwords. And you will very quickly build up a collection, which means you never need to remember a website password again. I'm going to go back into that 1Password mini dialogue here. One pa- and show you what else there is. Item list logins tab use credit cards tab identities tab passwords tab password generator settings tab button. There are a lot of settings which I won't go through today, but they control how secure it is in terms of 
how much time has to expire before 1Password locks itself again, various things like that. So you want to check that out. Search box for vaults menu blank. So that's the 1Password mini. I'll escape out of that. And now I'm going to press Control Shift backslash. All vaults. Search for your item. This is where we can search for things. And if I press the Shift tab key. Tree view. We've got a tree view of items. Zero. All favorites. No watchtower. Compromised websites. No vulnerable passwords, reused passwords, weak passwords, unsecured websites, 2-factor authentication, no expiring, no categories, open, logins, secure notes. So if I go into secure notes and press tab, search for your new item left, 46 items sorted by title button, item list multi-select list box, ACC per... So I now have some information to do with various government identifiers, other information, 46 different items stored in my secure notes, and they're available to me on any device that I have authenticated for 1Password. So there's a lot more here, but hopefully that gives you an overview of what you can do with 1Password on a Windows computer. It really is very simple once you've taught 1Password about your logins. So there's a little bit to do in terms of changing your password, going into that 1Password generator, creating a really unique, literally random series of stuff for each password. But once it's done, then you just go to the website you want to log into, press control backslash, enter your 1Password password if you have to, and then 1Password does the rest. And it's so much more secure and safe than not using a password manager. Once you have your passwords in 1Password, then you can use them across all the devices where you've installed the 1Password app. And one thing I forgot to mention is that there is an Apple Watch version of 1Password too. So it really is everywhere. Now I'm going to launch the iPhone 1Password app and we'll have a quick look. Open 1Password. Alert. Face ID. Face ID authenticated. 1Password. Switch vault button. You can configure 1Password to use your biometric authentication. So face ID or touch ID. Sometimes you will need to double tap the button to authenticate with face ID or touch ID. But hopefully, if you've got this set up robustly, your 1Password password should be quite long and complicated. So entering that with a touch screen should be a bit of a bother. So you'll want to set this up so that rather than having to enter your big master password when you launch one password every time you can authenticate with face id there are all sorts of settings that determine how frequently you might have to enter your master password because my phone is quite secure with a robust password on the device itself i always allow authentication with touch id or face id and that makes things a lot easier so do check the settings under security there is a lot you can configure at the bottom of the app, we have a standard tab strip. Tabbar. Favorites. Tab. One of four. If you use particular sites frequently, you can assign them to your favorites. Because one of the really cool benefits of 1Password as well is that you can use the app on any platform to quickly log in to something. And that's particularly handy on iOS. So if you're going to log into certain places frequently, then you could add it to your favorites. I'll flick right through the tab strip. Categories. Tab. Two of four. Tags, tab, three of four, selected, settings, tab, four of four. I'll go back to the second item on the tab strip. Tag, categories, 
tab to a four. And double tap. We'll go to the top of the screen. Switch vault, button, categories, heading, add new item, button, search, search field. Double tap to edit. You can search for things here just like you can in the Windows version that we saw before. All items, 275, logins, 118, secure notes, 46, credit cards, 3, identities, 1, passwords, 100, password, trash, tabbar, selected. And on it goes. So I will go back up top. Cat, add new item, search, all items, 200, logins. We'll go to logins, I'll double tap logins. Search, search field. We'll just tap somewhere here. Any list. AnyList is a service that I've talked about on the show before where you can keep all kinds of lists, usually shopping lists, but it can be a list of other items as well. And you can keep them in sync with family members. So Bonnie and I use AnyList on our phones and also on our soup drinker devices. And we can add items to our shopping list with any of those devices. We can just give a command with the soup drinker or Siri to add items that we see we're running out of to our shopping list. And it keeps Mosin Towers running well and well-oiled. So I'll double tap on any list. Any list. Login. I'll flick right. Username. Password. And I will just stop the speech there because it will actually speak out the password. Website. HT tags. Add tag. Text field. Saved form details. Button. Add to favorites. Move and copy. The move and copy feature is useful if you want to move this to another vault. So, for example, if Bonnie and I were to use the same AnyList account, I might want to move it to the vault that she and I both share. If I were to flick left and go to the website field that it has here, I could double tap on that and it would take me to the website where I could log in. Now, if you've used iCloud Keychain before, you'll be aware of the way that this works. When you double tap, say, a username or password field above the virtual keyboard, there'll be the opportunity to fill in your username and password with iCloud Keychain. When you have one password installed, or for that matter, any app that's using Apple's official password manager API, you'll be given the opportunity to log in using that password manager. So it's well integrated into the operating system and it works smoothly. So this means that anytime I add a new login on any device, it appears on all my other devices. And if I back out here and just go through... Anchor, Jonathan. Jo- so, for example, here's Anchor, which I don't really use, but I play with sometimes. There's an actions rotor here and a series of options. Copy password. That is a really easy way to just copy the password to the clipboard. If I need it for some reason, I can do that and then paste it into Ulysses or Notes or anywhere I want it to be. Move to trash. Activate. Default. Copy password. And that's what we have on the actions rotor. This thing is 100% accessible on iOS. As I say, they really do seem to take good care of accessibility. We'll just take a quick look at settings in the iOS app, and that will give you a flavor of what's available on all 1Password apps. Tab bar, settings, tab, 404. I'll double tap. And flick right. Settings, heading, 1Password accounts, button, general, button, vaults, button, security, button. Password autofill, button, 1Password browser, button, Apple Watch, button, notifications, button, help, button. There is extensive help if you want to learn about 1Password. And as you heard, 1Password does have its own browser. And that makes working with 1Password really easy. But these days, that's becoming less and less important. 
as the password API becomes more robust. So that is a very broad overview of 1Password. This is certainly not a full tutorial, but what I hope to have demonstrated are a few things. First, it is super secure. Do not worry about 1Password being hacked because the way the system is set up, it can't be. Even if somebody got into the 1Password systems, there's no way they could get at your password because it requires the login, the encryption key. It's really very solid and robust. Second, it's easy to use across all browsers and all devices. And third, man, it is just so not worth the risk to have your data compromised through sloppy password practices. I highly recommend that you use a password manager. This is but one of them, but it's one that has worked really well for me. You can find out more at onepassword.com. To contribute to Mosin at Large, you can email Jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at mushroomfm.com by writing something down or attaching an audio file. Or you can call our listener line. It's a US number, 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. Mosin at Large.